Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, May 18th. Uh, this is our second week of recording some conversations with some of our staff. As many of you know, Logan, our children's minister, is uh, out with a brand new baby, Arden Magnolia. They're doing well, and uh, we're excited for them. And maybe at some point in the future, she'll be able to rejoin us. We'll see. Also today, we're looking forward to hearing some updates from our governor about the stay-at-home orders and how those might be uh, adapted. So hopefully we'll have more information in the near future about all of that. Um, so last week we talked about topics related to revival. And uh, this week we're going to talk about um, some revival, uh, aspects of revival within scripture. And uh, Steve is kind of going to guide us through that each day uh, starting today. So Steve, what, what do you got on the docket for today? All right. So today we're going to look at Nehemiah chapters eight and nine. There's a good story about Ezra reading the law to the people and the people hearing something that they had that was in the law that they had not been doing. And mm -hmm. so then they decided, okay, hey, we've got to we've got to start doing this. We we and and now and when you say not been doing, do you mean they had like they'd been doing other aspects of the law and they're just things they were neglecting? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that this one specifically was the festival of booths that they had, you know, where they would actually make booths and sit in for a week and, uh, you know, during that festival. And, and they had not been doing that. They hadn't been practicing that for years and years and years and, you know, generations. Uh, and so when they read it, they were like, hey, God had told us to do this. We, we haven't been doing it. So, uh, so it, it, it's, a, it's kind of a corporate group, all of Israel coming together hearing from God's word and saying, hey, we need to respond to this. We need to uh, start start doing something that we should have been doing all along. Mm -hmm. Now, the booths, uh, just just for, you know, those are people that like the, the history of it, the, booth, the festival of booths uh, or tabernacles was like kind of a way to identify themselves with the Exodus. Uh, is that right? Where they were kind of trying to, in, in some ways, reenact what it was like for the people experiencing the Exodus? Am I right there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Brain trust. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so they, they, you know, this was one of their three big festivals that they did every year. And, and they were trying to, uh, well, it had been instituted with Moses and they had somewhere along the line that had been forgotten. And, and then, you know, kind of like we do, uh, mm -hmm. there are things over, generations hundreds of years that we've stopped doing maybe uh and they had rediscovered that mm -hmm. oh That's man it really makes me wonder like what are some of those things that you know we have we have not done for hundreds of years that we sh we should be doing that would be an interesting conversation well maybe maybe we'll have i don't know that we have answers to that but i think it is good for us to think about some of the things that we do that are just kind of tradition we've done for the last couple of generations and mm -hmm. some of the things that maybe we haven't done. Yeah. It's so surprising to me how some of the things that feel like really entrenched traditions are really only a few decades old. They're not, they're not, you know, in some cases maybe go back to the turn of the uh, previous century. They're not, they're not ancient traditions. They're relatively modern. Exactly. You know, maybe the last hundred years only. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of the last 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'll start the story uh, just since 
no one had a chance to read and know that we were going to talk about Nehemiah 8 and 9. I'm not going to read the whole two chapters, but in, in verse 2 of, of chapter 8, So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. So one of the things that I think about in re, as far as revival, as far as us, we, we should be thinking about this in terms of our individual self, I think, is where it starts. But we in America have kind of lost this corporate sense. And I think for the people of Israel, they're reading this and they are, you know, it has been ingrained to them. Hey, teach these things to your children as you walk along the road, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night. And so when they receive this reading of the law, they're bringing everybody together, men, women, and all the children. It says children old enough to understand. Interesting. Do you guys, yeah, do you guys feel like, uh, and we've touched on this in the past, like last week, but do you guys feel like we have done a good job at that as far as everything that we talk about with God, with God's law, with God's word? Are we doing a good job with that, bringing our children up to date and keeping them informed? Or do you think we're uh, maybe lacking or both? Well, I mean, not that you're implying this with the question, but, you know, it, it is. I think it's easy to say we're lacking in for a variety of reasons. Um, an example of that is, uh, I know you mentioned this, Steve, and I know other families have mentioned that one of the most valuable things they, they've um, appreciated about church at home is the communion time with their family. Um, being able to take it with their children, explain to their children what this is, and have like a short conversation with, you know, these kids who otherwise might be coloring in a seat and kind of all this is just kind of going right over their heads. And they can actually stop and talk about, you know, what is the, what is the bread? What is the juice? Um, and right. I think those are things that probably could or should have been happening anyway. But we have, um, you know, we've just sort of made communion, first of all, this isolated thing. Even when people are in a room together, it's somewhat isolated. And it's, it's just for, you know, the adults. It's just for the people who have been baptized. You know, it's not something that everybody is participating in, even though, uh, the Bible doesn't like specify anywhere that this is only something you do as long as you have been baptized. And I understand why people logically come to that conclusion, but it and is. Of, yeah. And instead of just a family doing it together, a more intimate level, we got 200 and some people doing it, you know, and then I think that takes away from some of that mm -hmm. intimacy, especially for the younger children. Yeah. Caleb, what do you think about the, the kids? Uh, I think that we, and this is speaking not Woodbury specifically, but like on the large scale of the church, that I think the church uh, recently has made an attempt to, uh, to bring the children who can understand it and to teach them, but I don't think we have done well with it in the sense that we haven't, well, you know, no matter the age range from two or three-year-olds to even high schoolers, we have some of these... Uh, challenging or maybe unsettling text of scripture like you read you know when you read through the book of judges <laughs> I, I grew up as a kid thinking the judges were awesome we should yeah. all be like samson samson's such a great man of god and then you know when i read that you know much later it's like why why were why was i taught that samson was this great man when in reality he uh you know what uh, had some questionable qualities and so i think we've made an attempt to you know inform our children on this story but we haven't 
quite figure out how to wrestle with these these tough texts and to teach them and, and that way i think we've failed a lot of our, our kids that we've um you know we've cleaned them up the clean the biblical story up maybe a bit too much for them yeah yeah judges is an interesting point in particular because uh, uh the church used to participate regularly in bible bowls and of course you know there's always an assigned book uh you know the book of matthew the book of uh, genesis and one year it was the book of judges and parents were really uh troubled by like once you start reading some of the stories in there they were like i don't know that i want my second grader to be able to answer questions about uh some of these stories they get pretty uh, intense yeah well so i just in general i think that we as as a body have done well in educating our children i think the disciple kids the bible classes do a good job of that i think we need to try and do more on a more intimate family level and that that's kind of what's going on here it's more uh you know family units standing together you know and and a little bit more interaction with their group as they're doing that all right yeah. we're going to move on in the chapter to verse nine verse nine then nehemiah the governor ezra the priest and the scribe and the levites who were interpreting for the people said to them don't mourn or weep on such a day as this for today is a sacred day before the lord your god uh and then in verse 10 he actually uh tells them that they that this should be a time of of celebration rather than mourning and weeping so my my question is when we're talking about revival we've we've talked about how repentance needs to be a part of that and that's kind of what they were doing here but but at what point do you kind of balance this mourning and weeping repentance for what we haven't been doing and yet then also celebrate this new knowledge from god's word and that we can you know kind of redirect or correct ourselves what, what do you guys think about that that balance i love that i love the idea of it being a celebration it, it immediately brings to mind luke 15 with the prodigal son and he returns and they're celebrating you know where right. <laughs> i don't know exactly what we would do i mean i would hope we would celebrate as well but we might also pull our little kids aside and say okay hey cautionary tell don't be like that guy rather right. than just like we're so excited that you know this person can mess their life up but then re re find redemption i love it yeah. i think that's yeah. so cool i think it's an important message that we should really embrace as a church uh you know i thinking back you know communion for me for the longest time was always think about how you have sinned mm -hmm. think about how you have screwed up think about how and be sad you'll be sad that jesus had died for you be sad that you, you caused this and i i'm very you know remember when i was at wonderfest in high school and the speaker was like this is a celebration you have a new life because of this and for me it was just like this what what are, what are you telling me because this is you know i've just always you know so i think I think this is a message which you're raising. Yeah, there's a time to be sad and there's a time to, to yeah. mourn, but also we do have a new life we have, and we have joy because of this. I, I, I love this. I love Nehemiah and just how you, you know, his reference, like stop grieving, you know, stop mourning, you know, yeah. go enjoy things and, you know, be happy because the joy, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a uh, song that gets sung up at camp, at team camp quite a bit. 
and the song is called can he still feel the nails mm. and the next line goes on every time i fail and it's just this song that's just like waves of guilt like you know every time i mess up god is so sad and upset you know it, when when it rains god is crying at her sin and uh one of um one of the campers one year wrote a second verse to that that uh, i thought was so good and it was like uh, no, I can't feel the nails. I died and that's over. And now, you know, we're kind of entering into this new celebration. It doesn't mean that God doesn't grieve our sin and, you know, is upset with our choices when we make negative choices. But yeah. It's, yeah. And, and I, so, so the balance then is, yes, we have sinned. Yes, we have made mistakes. We have fallen short or, or maybe not done some of the things that we should have been doing. So repentance is a necessary part of revival. Hmm. But we don't dwell there. The focus, Ezra, the high priest, is saying, look, don't mourn and weep. This is a time of celebration. We know what we should be doing, and we can do it. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think a, a lot of the, the thoughts of revival moving forward, hey, we've, we've kind of been enlightened about some things during this time of quarantine. Uh, okay, repentance, but yet let's, let's be excited and celebrate and move forward. Yeah. Uh, with with this new kind of knowledge or, or renewal in our mind of what we should be doing. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, chapter nine, verse three. Then it it, it you know so that they're all in front of the whole crowd and they're hearing the words of the law. And then in verse three of chapter nine, it says they remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law, of their Lord their God, was read aloud to them. So Patrick, three hours sermon next Sunday. Well, I mean, we get people who kind of complain if they have to stand, you know, for a couple songs in the songs. So three right, hours. right. Different culture. Uh, but they, they heard the book of the law for three hours. Then for three more hours, they confessed their sin and worshiped the Lord their, their God. Oh, man, it would take me more than three hours. <laughs> well, so the part I, I want us to ask, I want to ask you guys, is this, this repentance, this confession of sin, um, is we're talking about revival. We've already said that we don't want to dwell on that to where we're mourning and weeping forever. It's a time of celebration, but it shows, I think, the importance and the intentionality mm -hmm. in repentance. Um, yeah. So in regard to 2020 uh, and, and what's going on with us right now, the church, our series, our preaching series on revival, the talk of repentance of all those seven churches, Jesus telling them you need to do. Yeah. How do you think we need to respond to that today? In what form of repentance or how, how should we think of that in our mind? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. I don't want to dominate Caleb. You, uh, okay. You well, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, I, I think, um, something that we could take from this and, and really move forward and grow with is that yes, we don't want to necessarily dwell on the grieving in the morning of repentance, but I think one thing you can see here in Nehemiah 9 is that the Israelites, they're still making time, they're still creating space, you know, a three-hour chunk at, at the minimum yeah. to, to wrestle that, to, to grieve and to mourn. Um, and then they move on from there. Whereas, you know, in our, you know, 2020, even if we use these moments and services for the kind of grieving more, we're doing it for two minutes, you know, five yeah. minutes maybe. And because of that, we never really can fully grieve and mourn, you know, 
our shortcoming and fully uh, come to terms with that. And so I think one of the things we could take away is making sure to, in our life, you know, create space and to create time to dedicate to this. That way we can fully come to grips with it and then move on to, but I have new life and I have new joy and to move on. I really like that. Make time for it. You know, make sure we don't skip over it too quickly. Yeah. But in the time we're making for it, we're, we're processing and, and, and thinking about how we're going to move on. Patrick. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit last week. I think, um, uh, was it last Tuesday where it was the, the idea with like this four Sabbath that a lot of us are experiencing is that there's, there's an initial, like we're filling our time with things like Netflix or, you know, maybe reading, catching up on books or social media or whatever. And then once we get bored of that, then we have the margin and, you know, the spirit can sometimes begin to work and help us think and process. And so it's almost like people need to realize that, you know, giving God a few minutes uh, is, you know, there's, it's our own limitations. It's not God, it's not the spirit, but our own limitations in the way our brains, we need more uh, time. So we need more margin uh, than that. Yeah. All right. We're running low on time, Steve. Anything else we need to discuss? Uh, no. So last, last thing, if you look at chapter 10, they talk about this new vow or this new commitment that they make. So after the repentance, they, they do that. And, and uh, so we just need to think about that. But if, if it's okay, I'd just like to close us out in prayer. Sure. Let's All do right. it. God, we thank you for uh, these stories of revival. Uh, Nehemiah, the Israelites with Ezra. Thank you that we can repent uh, and yet not focus so much on the mourning and weeping, but focus on the celebration, on the new, um, um, uh, how you have spoken to us anew. May we take this during this time, make a new commitment, uh, pray for revival, and that it will bring revival to ourselves as individuals and to our church as a whole. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, if you're tuning in, you don't actually have to watch our faces the entire time. You can, of course, turn YouTube on and just listen. We also have this on our podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, iTunes, all that stuff, it is there and you can listen so you don't actually have to watch. I mean, I wouldn't want to watch our faces either. Um, but hopefully this is helpful. If, uh, if it is, come back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be talking about Second Chronicles chapter 34 and talking about obedience and repentance and some, uh, some uh, stories there in the scripture. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you later.